Sounds like the resurrection took place there. <laughs> <laughs> it did create as much chaos. And thank you very much for joining us on this, the 17th Sunday of the Pentecost. Um, this is, of course, the St. George's Rod and Staff podcast, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr. I'm joined, as always, by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. And I just want to say, I was at, I, I was at another church last week, um, at a confirmation in the family. Um, it's my wife's family, but it is my family because, I mean, we are in a legal contract after all. Um, so what is hers is mine and what is mine is mine too. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm very sorry. Um, and obviously the liturgy was the same. And the bishop there, I forget his name, um, was doing his preaching thing and I wanted to interject at so many points um, to to like say, no, but I think you're getting that part wrong. And, <laughs> you know, my reading. Of <laughs> and yes. just I appreciate this conversation so much, actually. Like in that moment, I, I realized how much I appreciate it. How are you doing, sir? Um, do you also miss me when, when you don't see me in the pews? Or do you want to engage me if you see a look on my face? Yeah, I do, because one of the things about you is that you actually pay attention very deeply. Good morning to everybody else listening in. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes, I do. You know, and you you have the habit of sitting right in front most of the time. So yeah. I do miss, you know, and and I I either subconsciously am aware of you knowing what we do together as a podcast on the podcast so I do intentionally or subconsciously, I will, I will, my eyes will fall on you, as you well know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Monique also has the, you know, the person that they look with intent. And I think generally I get that sense that people are focused uh, mm-hmm. to try and hear. Um, so I do um, miss you. And, I, and sometimes when I do come up with something a little different to what I answered or responded to, I do wonder now, I wonder what he thinks about that. You know, almost the thought in immediately says, it'd be interesting yeah. to know what his take on this one is. Uh, but yes, and you know, I think that the benefit out of all of this for me is that I'm, I'm growing um, theologically. Um, I'm, I, I realize how how dependent on my life faith is mm-hmm. and the reality of God, um, because in a way this um, gives me an opportunity to share my faith um, based on theological um, exposition from the, the scriptural texts that has been with the church. Um, uh, for time immemorial, yeah. and um, and also to engage the ideas that are more and more coming and surfacing to the fore, where people don't believe the same way I do, mm-hmm. uh, where people uh, are, are are bold enough to even say, like I heard yesterday on one of the YouTube programs I was watching, that um, the, uh, it's they, this person says the Bible is just a book of fantasy written mm-hmm. by um, by people. And I just I just marveled at the fact that you could even think that uh, <laughs> any book, uh, even if it's a story of the imagination, imagination is not devoid of history. Mm. Um, so somewhere in the story, there's kernels of 
effects about history, although the disclaimer will be this is not an historical thing or whatever it is in um, in a story if if they you know make sure that the effects are it. So I think that even imagine human imagination uh, cannot be devoid of history uh, of of events or storytelling. You know, you know, people come up to us and say, did you hear? And then we didn't hear, we didn't read, but they are the ones broadcasting. And somehow we tend to believe that story because yeah. we, we, we understand the credibility of the storyteller. So it's interesting that the Bible is in some people's minds uh, that, you know, it's a, a real fantasy story. I must say, if that is the truth about scripture, uh, according to some people, then the storytellers of the Bible still outranks every storyteller in the annals of history, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I think the, the Romans and the Greeks will have something to say about that. Probably, but they had a, they had a hand in it. They had a hand because their language was used. Um, hmm. You know, uh, the cultural concepts were, were utilized as symbolism. So, yeah. Yeah, that was it's interesting. Um, I've I've been I've been inundated. Uh, was on four days worth of like conferences and summits and stuff this week. Um, I was working on media teams of various um, things, but it was all kind of connected. So you had the same speakers um, yesterday that I've seen over the last like the three days before that, and uh, you were talking about um, when you when you think of something that we didn't maybe cover. Or you didn't express in the podcast um, on the Sunday. There was one of the speakers, the first one yesterday, um, where he had picked up on a point that was made in the last panel of the last day of the of the summit that ended the day before. <laughs> and he made this point, and he like had put it in his very hastily prepared um, presentation that he had up on the screen as well. And I was like, I know where you got that talking point. <laughs> um, but there was a lot of, of of talk of like obviously like the dominant technologies of our time, which is uh, it was all innovation. Uh, it was the South African Innovation Summit, um, which is which is a really good place to meet like entrepreneurs who are kind of pushing, uh, who are building the the economies on the continent. You know who are who are out there risking it all on on things that no one has ever dreamed up before. You know like bringing a lot of new ideas into the world, which is absolutely amazing. But below, like underneath that, there's this this growing um, movement um, towards like adopting blockchain technology and cryptocurrency and all of that. And uh, there was, I think it was the local CEO or general manager of Polygon, um, and they deal with a lot of like Web 3.0 stuff, blockchain stuff. And he was relating the the term token, and he dove into like the history of the term token, tokenization, and how the Romans um, used to reward their soldiers, whatever, with like just the raw material, and then they would go and they would melt it down and they would make a token. And the government adopted this because it's it's always funny how the people will start something and then the government responds to it, which is exactly the same as what happens now. Um, and then the government then adopted this idea of then creating a mint, a national or nationalized mint, and they were printing the tokens, but they were embossing it obviously with their 
the gods and the uh, the emperors. Mm. Um, and I forget who the Roman god of memory is, but he was like saying that it was then that they used to use they used to associate that. Um, so the token was a store of memory of value. And then now you have like the blockchain system, which is also a store of memory. It's like more like a database that just remembers um, everything, all the transactions that happen on it. And then it, it got me thinking when I was reading through through this this week's liturgy, um, which is it's very uninspiring because it's it's I mean it's it's well tread waters. <laughs> um, <laughs> So faith the size of a mustard seed. So that's uh, Luke 17, uh, chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. And then there's 2 Timothy, and oh, we don't want to dive into Timothy again, but it's the beginning of the second letter to Timothy. Um, and then there's the book of Lamentations as well, which is chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. So it's all very well tread territory. But then I was thinking about this idea of faith, of of like, like you were saying, that, that you can't, sometimes understand how people can like even think because in your mind it, it's not possible to imagine a world without like God's grace without miracles flowing from from God which which I mean I totally understand because there's I mean there's blind spots in my in my human experience as well where I can't but uh, the the thing is that I, I believe is important is to always be excited like I get very excited when I encounter a point of view that is completely contrary to anything that I believe. And then I like get really, I obsess over it and I go and research it. Like when this guy was uh, Michael Jordan, I think he's called, but he looks more like Ed Sheeran. <laughs> so it's very strange to like have a person named after like named like somebody that you know is like a big black basketball player and it's a ginger guy wearing glasses it looks like it's here it's the, the weirdest thing uh, but for him to relate current technology that not many people actually understand and it's actually really simple when you think about it and to relate it in a way that relates to history like having that kind of encyclopedic knowledge to marry what came before known history with like this new innovation was just absolutely insane to me so are there areas of faith that you are seeing coming out now maybe among the youth um where it's like a progression of like traditional kind of worship but just completely reimagined with 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 new thinking new imagination okay so so i uh, as you're talking, so I see um, uh, um, uh, the, uh, the text that is related to our Lord, if you have faith and you were inspired by an idea, hmm. um, a presentation, which which made you want to delve more into it. You came to a sense of believing that this isn't very important aspect to explore so you <clears throat> had a level of of, of 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 faith in 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 the idea as something to explore something to imagine deeper um and the fascination with the fact that somebody did uh, a deeper research in in history and related it to to that so what are we able to draw out from that given the um 
given the the question you ask how how are we or how do we even introduce our children to the world <clears throat> they see they uh, they engage so when we were, when we were told there is a god the idea of god for me came through the lord's prayer and being taken to church by my family and then as a child listening to the interaction of the reflection on the experience of worship on the sunday uh morning at the coffee and donut session with family with families even in the time that i was going to church so the idea of god grew in community with me in the essence of family now as i grow um and am widely more widely exposed to the um uh, uh, plethora of thoughts and ideas in a child's mind in my peers mind in my teacher's mind and in the and in the um, communities i've been exposed of so the idea of who is god growing in me now uh, mm-hmm. do i then come up with peculiar understanding of god is that is that is the planting of the seed that there is a god and and us responding in faith and imagination of the mind so is it possible that i can learn about god by name it be very difficult to teach a child the, to understand the nature of god as presented in scripture uh, that comes with growth and with questions and with teachings and so on um there is an idea too that when children get into their teen years they begin to challenge the ideas of god because they don't understand god in the same way that their parents do and they're not expected to because if you get into a personal faith you've got to grapple with what you read and what you've been taught and what you've come to believe um as 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 it were um i remembered i think i told you already uh the presentation of god to me um from a certain uh, uh, group that i was engaged through family gave me the idea that this god that i'm called to serve is just a dictator who beats people up if they do any mistake um and so i had to keep my life in such a frame of narrowness that in this group playing sport was wrong and doing something on a sunday that's not meant to be now whether that was religious ideas and god's intent or whether it was cultural stuff these these are the images they left with me yeah. i and and so and therefore i'm i'm very interested in the fact that when i use the word image i go back and say so what did god mean when god gave moses the 10 commandments at the very first one you know do, that we must not make an image of god and it's possible that in planting seeds about who we think god is in the minds of young people can create a devastating image of a god who is not what scripture says that what the god is because christians over my, in my experience very 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 much more of the, the people i engage in the, on that in that level 
um, was, was, were judgmental and legalistic about faith. Words like grace and love never came into the frame. You know, Bob DeMar was the very first priest who opened my mind more succinctly to the idea that ultimately God is love. And it's for that reality that I live now. And then when I look at, at scripture and I look at, uh, re, you know, reading books, then I look at history, that's the God I imagine who is, who is the God that made this world, that the God who redeemed us, the God who continued to sustain, sustain our life. So now I'm treading very, very carefully. What image do I give to what understanding, rather, not image, what understanding of God do I give to um, to young people yeah. um, so that they are yeah. not stuck in maybe a false image I have created? So, and that, that, that imagining of God comes not just through, like, because I've got a collar on, I represent the church. Yeah. Maybe yeah. people see me as representing God, one who speaks about God, one who speaks hopefully not speaks for God because God can speak for God's self, but one who is able to engage life from an understanding of, yes, we see this, but but but, but what attitudes and uh, should we have in all of this to build a better world? So it's from the, let's say, the kingdom of God uh, uh, understanding that I uh, uh, engage the world. So I want, so, so, so who I am is also important and how I take notice of people as a priest, uh, will reveal the God I believe in. So is this God hospitable? Can a child find um, comfort by just standing next to me? My engagement with children is a very blessed experience I have um, because I take notice of them. They respond to me. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, I was in the foyer and a two-year-old's mother, she I baptized her. My contact with her has not been so much. But her mother said to me, she looked for me on Sunday when I when I wasn't the previous Sunday because I was in clean flay. And she was upset that I wasn't there. So so what am I leaving in my engagement with people about my understanding of God and my belief of God in the kind of person I am supposed to be, the kind of person that I am? So I am very, very cautious that, I, that I'm going to give young people um, an understanding of God that is so modeled by the, the discrepancy of, a, of an apartheid mindset and of a colonial mindset. Yeah. Um, and so um, when I engage people, is it out of the, 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 the essence of God's love? Is it with grace in mind? Is it with mercy? When I listen to people, do I come across as being judgmental? Um, you know, uh, so those are the kind of things that I'm challenged by uh, because I'd like to also hear from young people how they understand God. And so does our worship services, does you talk about having confirmation in the same liturgies that we have? Do young people get inspired by the ideas that are fostered in liturgy? Why do we say, for example, the Lord be with you or the Lord is here? Does that matter to them as it matters to me? So when I say it to you as part of the congregation, 
I mean it with every fiber of my being, not just saying the Lord be with you. My intention is to help me and you engage in the reality that God is right there with us right now. Mm-hmm. As he is with you, you are saying, but he's also with you. So we're sharing something here in this walk of life. And so mm-hmm. worship brings up the celebration of God's presence. So it would be wonderful to know whether that part of liturgy strikes a chord with young people as did that gentleman's story uh, of technology struck a chord with you uh, so that you can do what you did you did further exploration so can young people go that way but you see there's also this thing where people can drive fear into young people yeah there is a, a christian philosophy that uh, will only speak to you mostly about if you die, where are you going to? Mm. You know, so it doesn't introduce you to the God who created you, which is what we say in our baptismal creed, the God who redeemed you, the God who sustains you. And for me, I'm very um, engage, engaging in my own mind, my own mindset of what, how do I, how do people, um, when they look at me, when they hear me, when they engage, when I'm engaging in someone, do they see my faith in the God that I claim to believe? Mm-hmm. That's an important thing, I think, uh, because like, like I, I, I have a fundamental understanding of, of the technology that you were speaking on. And, but there's been so many ideas shared this week and from young people. Um, it was it was very strange, like that final panel on of of the SA Innovation Summit. There were uh, the the organizers then turned the the conference kind of inwards. So there was literally um, all the chairs moved to like focus inwards, and you could cycle into the center as on the topics that were being discussed, as you had something to contribute. And the 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 younger people who came in, and I'm talking about like under 25, so like younger millennials, older Gen Zs, um, they were so discouraged by the excitement that exists with the older millennial crowd who've now grown up alongside many different evolutions of technology in a short amount of time. So we see, and I'm speaking as an elder millennial now, the internet and how it has flourished and how it has evolved from like web one, which was just things, just things you could look at, you couldn't contribute into web two, which is social media where you were contributing and you were taking away. Um, And then now this idea of web three and like, it's more the idea that excites us, but like the younger kids who only know the end part of what we know the internet as today are like, they can't see any tangible differences or benefits to another evolution of the thing that they know. Um, And so they poke serious holes into long-held understandings and ideas about like what this new technology is all about. And then taking it to someone who is at the bleeding edge of the development of this new thing. And he doesn't come out to say, to preach about all the new things that they're doing. He just takes it back to just build up that foundational understanding again. And then that excited me because it was like going just back to the basics. And the other thing was across, uh, there were only five kids confirmed last week. And they, so 
I, I had a good view of the families as well, because uh, luckily I have a, it was a two hour surface, wow. <laughs> which was like right at the edge of, 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 of my, of my tolerance, um, because with the pandemic, we've, we've become accustomed to things being shorter because you're either doing it online. And I mean, the, thing is, the internet is a weird thing. Uh, you could drop off at any time, and then in person it was short bursts of things. So this was like we <laughs> can't hold the bladder as long. Uh, so I went outside, and then I caught um, the the party exiting um, the the church, and then I saw the families come to come celebrate with the candidates, and you could see that these were all kids who come from families who are like invested in the church, invested in faith and the their understanding their relationship with their faith is obviously a lot deeper um than the average uh person in their young person in in like their peer group because of that and i i just think the kids today are a lot more thoughtful they are a lot more observant of like the bad things like the toxic ideas, like like they are a lot more empowered because they've grown up in a world where there's been the tension between life, science. We've 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 learned a lot about how the world works. Like even in the last year, just with the James Webb Space Telescope, we've learned so much in a short space of time, and it challenges like every long held, or at least it doesn't challenge. It just develops on all the ideas we've had in the past. And, and, and these kids are coming through with this really sophisticated idea of existence. And then they get to choose which philosophy they're going to go with, you know? And, and it's such an empowering thing. It's such a, an inspiring, like I would love to be young again um and um, i'm not old <laughs> I'm, I'm very much knocking on 40s door uh but like to be like to just reverse by like two decades and experience the world as it is now and see how that would affect the outcome you know i'm glad you say that that there is uh, you know that uh, young people are thoughtful and that when they think of the ideas being presented um, they poke very important holes because I suppose in one level they are looking to their future, which mm -hmm. you and I had an opportunity to do when we were their age. Right now, in my in my age group, for example, what am I looking forward to? A thing called retirement, if God spares yeah. me to that. You know, so so do I still have a futuristic view? Because look, um, the, the the aspect of the kingdom of God teaches me about past, present, and future um, realities of the kingdom. So, so I need to have all three aspects uh, in, my, in my purview of, of the way I live and engage with the God of this world and with the world itself. Now, when I think about this, I've, I've always wondered, because there are these um, uh, newer concepts of so-called churches which 
which are organized around a minister. Yes. With a particular what's name. So when I when I when I look at that, um, here is a teacher tell model, um, and the 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 tool used as the scripture is there to give them ideas of how they can do it themselves. And this is what God, you know. So it, so they 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 the understanding I then get is that the traditional and historical churches which seek to build a consistency, not in a perfect way, a consistency of the church from when it started uh, and even before that, because we would say that we are Judeo-Christian. Hmm. And so we take history very seriously. And that's why in the Anglican church, for example, we look at scripture and tradition. Uh, from a from a point of view of reason and experience, mm-hmm. and reason is developmental. So ex- so we our, our reflection on stuff comes not just with old knowledge, but also with new and researched knowledge, uh, 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 speaking to our time. So there's this concept of these churches, which are not really churches in my view, that skip the history of the church to make as if their model is the same as the model of Acts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then that, that middle section of history, they want to take it out as if it does not really exist. And, and so the impression I got was that um, I, the, what I thought that millennials or the G, Gen, what is it, Gen Z um, generation, were only apt to think of the history starts where I am. Uh, there was nothing before me, and I'm now looking forward. And yet, every idea that you and I have right now, though it may have futuristic inclinations, is based on history. Mm. That is where we gather our information from. That is where we make today something to live by based on a, a, a firmer platform. So I, uh, so that, but, we, but we're doing today because we're looking to tomorrow as well. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that, and, and in, in fact, that's what happens and should happen in the dialogue, the conversation, the discourse between the generations. <laughs> Granny has to listen to the faith of the 16 year old who may think totally different to what she she understood because she'll be enriched by their ideas that's why i am 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 saying young people we need you to to claim your place which is there mm-hmm. don't let us hog the place come and take your place and help us to see what god wants to do for the church and the world through you so I, I would I would value them challenging. I would value young people uh, coming and saying, "This is how we would like to do the liturgy." Yeah. So, okay, yeah. fine. That doesn't mean we're just going to let you do it. Uh, and and and, <laughs> and what's, we're going to sit with you so that we can learn why you're doing it in this way, so that we can be able to say, "You are taking my hand and leading me." Mm. I could I could also say do it as you want to 
And then I'm going to sit there and experience as another way of doing it. And yeah. then, but, but will you be prepared with me afterwards to reflect on that, to reflect on the meaning of that yeah. experience yeah. for me so that together we can grow. By the way, even though our age, our ages are different, our life experiences are different, we're still living in one world, the same mm -hmm. sun that you see, I see. You know, the same economic situation that you and I are bearing with. We come from different points of view, but it's still affecting our lives positively or negatively. So yeah, let's yeah. live in the world together and let older people not assume that they know it all, mm -hmm. and that they must make space for newer ideas, new ways of expression that you and I may not have, 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 have had. We must realize that there are lots of influences around us. Let us not be blinded and deaf and 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 you know god forbid that we are still stuck with the slave mentality of apartheid and colonialism mm. that we would have moved on from there uh, you know and, and whether you like it or not i'm gonna i'm gonna raise it that is why i see this text is so important the law for the spirit that god has given us not doesn't make us timid mm. that's the that's an that's a kind of encouragement from an older man to a younger person. Yeah. Uh, so so your analysis of the youth of today is that they are courageous enough to challenge old ideas. Yeah, but now you get that that tension, like you saying, you invite young people to to you actually encourage you you get excited by the idea that there are other. I, there are other ways to experience like worship. So, but then young people come in and it's like, cool, you, I, and, and I get this. I mean, you, 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 you learn this lesson through maturity where it's like, not every idea you have is going to jive within the system, you know? Um, and unfortunately, young people today are living in a world where um, there's, there's unregulated um, yeah. Uh, ideas, you know, yeah. so like in the world of social media, you can do whatever you think is right. And if if it catches on with an audience, you will think that you are amazing. Like there's, there's that one guy cooks. Um, he started out on Twitter. He was doing like um, post-match interviews for like various things in South Africa. So you do like a post-match interview uh, or like getting your summer body or Whatever. And he gained quite the following. And I mean, it was hilarious when he started. And he really caught on through TikTok and then through Instagram and stuff and started getting a lot of brand deals. And um, last night, uh, the, the Bulls, um, Vodacom Bulls, they broadcast, I thought it was a live on YouTube stream of the game against Connaught. And I watched it this morning, or at least I was telling Monique we were laying in bed and I was like, oh, wow, they, they, and then what I saw was <laughs> it was just like two guys just chilling um, in the stadium, which was empty because it's the early stages of, of the United Rugby Championship. So no one. And it was a Friday night, end of the month sort of thing. People have different things to do um, nowadays. Um, and then Monique made the point of like, yeah, but if that was in Ireland, then the stadium would have been full. And I'm like, yeah, but the stadium was also like a quarter of the size. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is like a 45,000 yeah. seater loft. <laughs> 
Anyway, that's besides the point. And um, it was just, they can't obviously show the game because Supersport has the rights to the game. So it was just the Bulls kind of trying to appease their sponsors. And the graphics were poor and it was just two random people giving really unentertaining commentary. So I was like, you know what would have been better if they had taken Cooks, set him up in Sinburn, the pub opposite Loftus, and done like a watch along and let him do commentary and like have a crowd there and everything. And it would have been a vibe. It would have been a better idea of how to deliver that kind of content on um, social media, or at least in, in the YouTube space. Um, but then I went to look at Cooks's, because uh, Monique didn't know who Cooks was. And I went to go look at his Instagram just to like give her an idea. And like over the last kind of 20 posts, it's just been brand deal after brand deal after brand deal. And he's kind of that soul. And that comes from that idea of like, you had this one thing and it worked and no one told you how to improve it or how to um, enhance it for an audience. And then you now transitioned very harshly into this new commercial idea of developing um, your content and you didn't evolve it suitably so now like your audience is dropping like i will not watch another video now because what i saw today was absolutely horrible and like young people i think have that sense of entitlement because there's so much success that they gain um in this new system of doing things where it's unchecked it's unverified but then i can see even within saint george's if I step up and say, you know what, let's do this instead of this, and I bring you all the data and I do a nice presentation and everything, there are people, and you know this, <laughs> there are people listening, and I'm sorry I'm calling you out, um, who will say no because it's not the tradition, and they've worked really hard within the archaic system to get to where they are, and now they are gatekeeping. Um, and they are also protecting their own little island that they've they've now built within the sea of 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 thingy. So like there are so many, there's so much tension like in that that the the I I I can empathize with the idea of like you know what I'm not even going to push back against the system. I'm just going to build my own table somewhere else. You know, <laughs> um, but then like I, I I like that you you touched on that whole cult of personality. Um, which is also a construct of of the media that that we expose to now, the media landscape that we expose to, where it's all these unchecked ideas. So you start not focusing on like the philosophy, but more on the person and the personality. Um, so like your interaction with with the kid who was really upset that you weren't there. I mean, that is a bit of somebody buying into your cult of personality, into the cult of, of Rodney Whiteman, of, of the, the, writer, <laughs> the venerable. Uh, how, how, do you, how do you manage that um, and balance that with, with kind of growing the faith um, in, in, in your job? Like your job is obviously to, to minister and to grow the faith, but then you obviously have a personality that people are buying into and and how do you how would you say the best way to approach the, that kind of gatekeeping um within the traditional structures um like do you have any advice for like young people who are who are listening so the text says the apostle said to the lord increase our yes faith. so there's faith and 
Jesus comes onto the scene and says to and and they ask they say to him, look, whatever faith we've been able to establish. So then I would look at faith and its tradition uh, that upheld whatever they understood by faith. But when Jesus comes onto the scene, he lights up everything in a different way to what they used to. So he then becomes one that challenges the gatekeepers, Mm -hmm. uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who hogged the the law uh, and the covenant as if it was it was it was then people and and hogging who God is. Um, And so Jesus comes as the one who says, "I didn't come to destroy that." Which is which? Which God already instituted the law and the prophets. Um, I've come to fulfill that. So there's so much more about this that gatekeepers don't tend to understand mm-hmm. that must still be experienced and exposed to people so that they can experience God in this in this new way. Of course, the gatekeepers didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. So when, when when they publicly say increase our faith. Something about who Jesus is and what he said, um, said, you know, if my faith can just be a little bit more stronger, then I can maybe follow Jesus because of his his way of doing things, his way of being, um, his practice of prayer, for example. When they saw him praying, it's not as if they never prayed in their life before, but when they saw him praying, they said, teach us how to pray or teach us to pray. So um, I, I certainly uh, am open to the idea that gatekeepers are destroying their own sense of what they believe by hogging it and not being vulnerable about it. Um, when I, and I reflect on why that young child said that to her mother. What was it about me that that made her say, I'm not happy that he's not here today? I don't know what's in the young child's mind, but I can only look at my actions. Mm-hmm. My action is I acknowledge her presence. Mm-hmm. I ask her a name. I affirm she, her mother, she was sort of uh, the, the week before I was away, that Sunday when I was here, she had this little bag, furry bag, that uh, she, they were seated and came out to the to the foyer again. And I was coming from the from the, the office. She had opened her purse because her mother said she wanted to throw in her collection. And I was fascinated by this, so I acknowledged that. Yeah. And I think that just by acknowledging that uh, individual, the the two year old. To say you matter, mm-hmm. you know. I just wrote in the for the magazine, and I said, everyone I encounter is God's sermon to me. So, in other words, I'm I'm focusing because I'm also going to be receiving something, but I'm also humbled by who that person is, and humbled by. Um, Whatever their person, you know, uh, whatever seeps out of their person to touch me. And presence is a very important thing to me. The presence of somebody is important to me because my presence 
you don't go wrong the roots of age and all those kind of things that divide us. The presence of the person is of value. They matter. So I think that uh, if we hog the faith and keep it, uh, 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 putting it in such an absolutism term, if that's an English word, to, to make it what I believe is absolute. If you don't believe this way, therefore you're not able to go through this gate. Yeah. Uh, unless you give me the password that is absolutely correct in terms of what we believe. But then how is the faith enriched if we get stuck there? Yeah. yeah. You know, we have to move from the cradle with Jesus to the cross. Mm-hmm. Through transfiguration, baptism, um, Sermon on the Mount, uh, 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 temptation in the wilderness, to get to the faith of the resurrection, to get to Pentecost faith, Mm. to get to Ascension Day faith, if we're going to get to the eternal faith. So it's, 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 it's no use hogging anything along the way, as if to say, this is absolutely what, the only absolute is God, as far as I'm concerned. And, and now what I draw from him through the revelations of his son, Jesus Christ. So, so now my, how can my faith then be hogged and kept uh, by certain absolutes? If these tenets are not followed, therefore you're not. And this is also what these new, these new so-called churches do. They govern your life by certain principles. Hmm. And yet the only principle basic principle that covers all principles is what Jesus says. Love the Lord your God. Love yourself as you love your neighbor. And love is that principle. And if you can't, and this is the difficulty, you see. Um, We judge Christians by the tenets of their beliefs, but not by the attitude of their hearts. And the attitude, the tenets of your beliefs can't be Love, if the attitude of your heart is not love. Yeah. So I, I, I see Jesus as the one who comes to tell the gatekeepers, I am the gate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't you hog the space. Yeah. If you want to grow and go through, the problem is gatekeepers don't often go through to the next level of growth by going through the gate. They, they want to hog that space yeah. Yeah. because they themselves are uncertain about the risk of believing. Hmm. Well, I, I can honestly say from my personal experience, um, you are very much not a gatekeeper uh, because you allow us this platform to, to explore um, faith because this is an exploration of faith just um, in the in the gospel this week, uh, faith was the size of a mustard seed. So I, d- I didn't want to go into a full exploration of, of the faith as prescribed in the <laughs> in the text. Um, I, that was a messy analogy. I'm very sorry. Uh, this has been a very loose conversation, and but I think it's been an important one. I think I think it's been an, an open sharing of ideas, a, a relation of of this journey to um, other journeys in in the human existence. Uh, which which I'm all about actually, and and I thank you for your time. I thank you for listening. Um, I know uh, you, Father Rodney, have a a funeral uh, to do now, so I will release you to your to your responsibilities. And I thank you for another very inspiring conversation. 
Thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate you, my brother. Love to your family and love to all of those who are listening. Thank you for tuning in to us.